Welcome to the first ever podcast of Throw the Flag, Coach! I'm sure you all enjoyed week one of the 2023 NFL season. And uh, welcome and looking forward to dropping weekly podcasts over the next 17 weeks of the regular season. Maybe beyond that, but for right now, we're just trying this out. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to having some fun. And I hope you enjoy it as well. Hope you find it entertaining. Uh, just a couple things that uh, I wanted to sort of introduce before we get rolling into the main topics for this week. Uh, first of all, uh, the idea of this is to have fun and uh, look forward to hearing any topics that you might want to talk about. I may hit on other sports, but the primary focus of these podcasts are going to be on the NFL uh, week to week. We'll talk about the week that was and we'll take a look and start looking at what the week that's coming up looks like. So for uh, these podcasts, we're going to you know, enjoy some opinion. If you have some topics around football or sports in general, we'll give you an opportunity to be able to shoot us an email or, or kick us some, uh, some posts on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll see what we can do week to week, uh, depending on the topics and the things that uh, come in. So thanks for joining. Um, one other thing I want to mention is a bit of a thank you. I want to thank Caleb and Priya for uh, their willingness to help me get this thing settled. I've uh, been wanting to do a podcast for a couple of years now, so just a chance to be able to do the technical side and to get things up and online and to drop these every week. Appreciate that. We expect that the podcasts are going to drop every Wednesday following the uh, the week that was in the NFL. And uh, I also want to just say a special thanks to Mike Greenberg, which sounds kind of funny because I've never met him. But uh, one of the things I really appreciate about him from the ESPN is in this day and age of lots of noise, lots of newscasts, Folks are polarized, polarized, even when it comes to sports. You got a, yell, a lot of yelling and screaming for nothing, and it's a lot of noise. And what people have forgotten is having fun with sports, because that's really what it's supposed to be about. It's entertainment. There's drama. There's lots of stuff to, you know, we, we take our fandom seriously, and you're going to find I do the same. But even in that, it's still having perspective. And so I just want to uh, throw a shout-out to Mike Greenberg, who I really enjoyed over the years, and Mike and Mike, and then in his various iterations at ESPN, and I hope – some of my style and some of my stuff is sort of in that same vein. I get passionate, but I'm not going to take anybody out because of a difference of opinion or or because of a sports topic. So uh, just wanted to say that and wanted to say kudos, and I, and I love the work that uh, Mike Greenberg does, and that Greeny does with ESPN, and I wish there was more like that in the sports world. Okay, and so with that, let's dive into week one. So what did I learn in week one of the new NFL season. Well, a couple things right off the bat. I loved the Sunday nighter. That giant outcome where they didn't just get beat, they got thrashed. It was awesome. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer franchise. See, these guys got so swelled in their head last year that they thought, hey, look, we made the playoffs. We're a great team. We're a contender. And so they fork out $40 million for their mediocre quarterback. And then they're chintzy with their Pro Bowl running back who was, who was the star, and he was on a prove-it year, and instead of paying him, they slapped him on the franchise tag and they treated him like dirt. Couldn't have happened to a nicer team, a nicer franchise. I hope the Giants get smoked all year. Hard to cheer for Dallas Cowboys, but I was cheering hard on Sunday night, and I loved what happened in New York. That was beautiful. Uh, another thing I learned, did you see what the Dolphins did? Everybody's been talking about 
Tua, 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 right? Well, when Tua's upright, oh my goodness, that offense looks unbelievable. They look like the 2000, the 99 Rams, like the, the greatest show on turf. Tyreek Hill just looks like everybody else is in slow motion as he's running down the field. The way they shocked the Chargers in that back-and-forth game, probably the most entertaining game of the weekend. Look out for the Dolphins, again, if, if Tua stays healthy. Now, I mentioned the Broncos, and you're going to hear me mention the Broncos every week because they're my favorite team. I'm not going to spend a ton of time unless it's their division we're focused on, but I have to say I was more enthused going in, and the jury's still out. Saw some good things on the field. Russell looked a lot better. They looked a lot tighter. Um, the calls were made. The play scheming was decent. But then I also saw some real failings in the coaching and the in-game coaching. And Sean Payton had a bunch of rust. And Vance Joseph, as a DC, had rust as well. They had no business losing to the Raiders, who played a decent game. But that game, that game shouldn't have gone down that way. And so I don't know what to think as a Bronco fan. It's sort of a 50-50. Let's see what happens. The Packers, they look like they did it again. Uh, they were awful for two decades, two and a half decades, and they got Brett Favre. And then look out. And he put them on a path for 18 years of amazing play, 17, 18 years. And then they had the the next Hall of Fame guy with Aaron Rodgers come in, and then now, you know, competing at that high level for another 16 years. And so you thought, okay, well, they couldn't have done it again. And they got Jordan Love, and look at what they did to the Bears in Chicago with lots of hope, lots of tinkering. We know the Bears weren't that great beforehand, but they add a lot of the pieces, and the Packers just rolled. And with a with a starting quarterback in his first NFL game, it looks like they did it again. And I have to end off with this because this has been the storyline for the whole offseason. When I was preparing some of my initial notes last night, starting to watch the game, this was before the New York Jets and Bills game started. All I could think of was apparently Rodgers is an American because he's running into the stadium waving the flag on 9-11. They couldn't find anyone else who was in New York for more than 30 seconds. That's the only guy that could bring in the flag on 9-11? That was my initial thought. Then who knew that they were going to spend... $9 million for each play that Aaron Rodgers played for the season. Because four plays in, he's done. I've been trying all day not to smile and not to rejoice in somebody being hurt. I'm pulling for him. I hope he's able to get healed and recovered with that Achilles. But I'm sorry, I can't help but smiling. What a jerk. And it's so amazing what ended up happening. It was so funny. It was so, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. One of the most arrogant guys in the NFL. And we'll talk more about that later. But wow. I mean, I'm sorry. I feel bad for the Jets. I think the Jets curse must be real because all the Jets thought, okay, this is the year. They're not, they haven't made the playoffs in over a decade, but this is the year they're going to go to the Super Bowl. In one year, they're going to leap from no playoffs to the Super Bowl. And then they played, paid $9 million for four plays and their, and their franchise quarterbacks out for the year. So, uh, yeah, that's what I learned after week one. Uh, and I can't. I can't stop smiling. It's been so funny. I hope for his sake, for his health's sake, you know, he recovers okay and he's able to wander around in the darkness with a, with two solid Achilles tendons. But uh, I'm telling you, for, for the way he acted and the arrogance that he's shown, it is really tough to have sympathy for Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. So those are the main things that I learned from week one. I hope some of those uh, match up and align with some of yours. 
and so before we move on to the next section, one of the things I'll be looking at every week is based on what we saw and based on the performance, these are the top five teams that I believe have shown themselves as being the top five in the NFL after week one. So starting with number five, I'm picking the Miami Dolphins. I mean, wow, that offense was unbelievable. They were going up and down the field. It didn't matter how much time was there. They were lighting them up. They were going 80 yards in two minutes. Tyreek Hill, 50 yards, 70 yards, waddle down the down the sideline and, and up the middle. It was unbelievable. They were playing video game offense. They are as advertised. But that defense was pretty brutal. They had to score 37 points to eke out a win. Um, I think Nick Fangio will get that defense going as the season goes on, uh, but they got to clean that up. And so that's why I put them number five. They were spectacular, but they got some things to clean up. But they went cross-country, beat a good Chargers team that always seems to have a letdown. But that was Tua against Herbert, and Tua won that battle. So kudos to Miami. So I picked Miami as uh, the fifth-best team in the NFL. Moving to number four, we're going to go to Dallas. And people are going to think, Dallas had like the most dominant win. How come they're only fourth? And Yeah, because that's America's team and everybody overblows everything. Um, But the fact is, they deserve to be number four. They beat the crap out of a division rival. But to be honest, the the Giants never showed up. They stayed at the hotel. I don't know who those imposters were that went on the field, but they they couldn't tackle anybody. They couldn't throw. They couldn't catch. They couldn't run. They couldn't do anything. So Dallas was basically just playing a scrimmage. But kudos to them. They lit them up for 40, special teams, defense, and some offense. Dak looked okay, but he didn't have to look spectacular. They just completely destroyed New York, and they deserve to be number four on this list. Number three is the Green Bay Packers. And again, they stood out against a division rival on the road, just like Dallas did. But this was the first start for Jordan Love as the starting quarterback. And they, they hung up 38 points, and, and they slowed down. They could have hung 45-50 on the Bears if they needed to. And his first start, after they kicked out a franchise quarterback, first time in like 30 years, they're, they're starting somebody not named Favre and Rodgers, and this is what they come up with. They, were, they did exactly what you needed to do, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams in the NFC. So I put them at number three. What they did was spectacular, again, in a first start for a quarterback. Number two. Shouldn't be too much of a surprise because we saw them in the Super Bowl last year. Number two is Philly. And even though they had a tough fight, probably a tougher fight than it should have been. I think it was a little too close than many of us thought. They got out to that 60-0 lead and you thought, okay, they're going to put it on the hoodie and the Patriots. But um, that was a close game. They had to fight through. But it was terrible weather and they got the win in Foxborough on TB12 day with him ringing the bell and doing running around the field or whatever nonsense they did at Foxborough. The fact was Philly went in there, a tough place to play. That defense is going to be tough all year, and they got the win. And they hung on and they got the win. And they're stacked. And so I think they still deserve, you know, number two spot on our top five list. And then number one, and this shouldn't really be a surprise because of how they came out, but the San Francisco 49ers, they just signed Nick Bosa. Brought him in with no preseason, no nothing. And you wonder, okay, can Brock Purdy do this again? They still don't seem to have a quarterback or at least a franchise quarterback. They didn't just beat Pittsburgh. They destroyed Pittsburgh on the road, one o'clock game on the East Coast, and they just knocked the snot out of Pittsburgh. And that score still looked closer, 30-7. to The way that thing was dominated, 
Pittsburgh had like eight minutes, eight and a half minutes of possession in the first half. They got punked. So San Francisco looks like they're already ready for the playoffs. They are. McCaffrey looks amazing. Now they're going to have him for the entire season. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, they're already in midseason form. That defense was amazing. And Pittsburgh's supposed to be decent. Maybe not a contender, but they're supposed to be a decent team. And San Francisco went on the road in the Eastern time zone and just beat the crap out of them. So I think San Francisco absolutely came out as number one after week one. So those are our top five teams. I'm sure these things are going to be changing and jockeying. Love to hear from you if you think someone else should have been in the top five uh, when we share some of that contact information later on in the podcast. So one of the things you're going to notice in these weekly podcasts is we're going to have a special feature where we're going to spotlight a single division every week. And so we're going to rotate through all eight divisions and take a little bit more time to look at the four teams more closely, where they're at, what kind of issues, what their prospects are. Uh, And we won't be spotlighting certain teams because of ratings and because of whatever, which other sports places do. We're going to go through all eight uh, in an eight-week cycle. So you're going to get a chance to hear some details um, on the on the division, but as well as on your team at that time. So this week, I don't think there's really any other place we could start but the AFC East, especially given the marquee matchup last night with Buffalo and New York, 9-11, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers coming there. The place was electric. So I think this is the place we need to start in terms of the division. So just in alphabetical order, because uh, records we don't have to worry too much about just now. So we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Buffalo Bills are being overlooked, and a lot of people have given up on them. They were the darlings for the last couple of years, but they just haven't been able to put it together. And so some people have looked past them and are looking at the Miami Dolphins, looking at the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, and they've overlooked Buffalo. Buffalo is still a very solid team. Now, saying that and looking back on the Monday Nighter, it's pretty scary how Josh Allen looked because he's an elite quarterback, but he cannot be turning the ball over four times in a game against a division rival. And especially given that Aaron Rodgers went out of the game, all they had to do was play solid fundamental football and they win that going away in the fourth quarter. And instead, Josh Allen decided he was going to keep the Jets in it by trying to make plays, but something's not right between the ears. And so somebody has to, I mean, if they got to somehow sign Brian Dable away from the New York Giants, then so be it. Because they need somebody to grab him by the jersey and sit him down and explain to him how football works. Because this guy is uber talented. He's got great leadership qualities. He's a guy you'd want to go to war with. But at times, all of a sudden, something snaps in his brain and he turns into Jekyll. And next thing you know, the ball's going everywhere to the other team. And you just scratch your head going, what are you doing? So Josh Allen's got to put it together because if he starts showing up like that, Buffalo's not making the playoffs. Initially going into this season, I thought, and the pick for me was Buffalo winning the AFC East, even with all the stuff about Miami and the Jets. But after what I saw on Monday night, I'm not so sure because this is a problem. And this is a problem that they have to fix immediately because they have a tough schedule. And if they don't clean it up, they're in trouble. And their window might have closed because um, these guys are supposed to be a lot further ahead. And they have a franchise quarterback that's supposed to make them competitive for the next decade. But you need a franchise quarterback who's competent and who knows how to fit a system and who knows how to lead his team to wins. Not just blowouts, but even these tough games that you have to grind out. 
and they really blew it on Monday night. That was a huge, huge mistake and missed opportunity on Monday night. I think their defense is good. Their offense is good. They have the pieces. They're going to win a bunch of games. But if they don't, if they don't clean up this quarterback stuff and the turnovers, they're not going anywhere. Now, heading down south from western New York, down to the south, south beach, south coast of Florida to Miami. Wow, do they look good. I mean, I think even the most optimistic person, I don't think could have imagined that they were going to start that fresh out of the gate. And wow, do they look amazing. But it still comes back to the same thing. If Tua's healthy, Miami wins the division. And that was my call even before what happened to Aaron Rodgers happened on Monday night. If Tua's healthy, Miami wins the division because they are just so explosive on offense. It's, it's amazing. But if Tua goes down, they have nothing behind him, and I think they, they, go, they're not, they don't even make the wild card. They're not even in the playoffs if Tua's not healthy. Now, again, like I mentioned before in the week one wrap-up, their defense was, was not great, and they gave up a ton of points. And if there was a few more minutes on the clock, L.A. would have scored again, right? So, I mean, that defense can't play like that. Uh, you can't expect 37 points or 40 points from your offense just to barely win. Uh, the defense has to show up. Now, with, again, like I said, Dick Fangio, uh, Nick Fangio, great defensive mind. He's going to get those guys together. He's going to get some pressure uh, on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, they need Jalen Ramsey back, but they'll probably get him back, they're saying, in December. So I think come December, January, if Tua's healthy, they're winning the division, look out for Miami. They're going to make some noise in the AFC. Now we're going to trek all the way up to Boston where they had TB12 day yesterday, uh, sorry, Sunday, uh, for, you know, Tom Brady and whatever. So uh, good on the Patriots, you know. Uh, but this is one of those times where the Patriots are in a tough division and they're not the clear favorite. After 20 years of winning the division easily, they're in for a fight. Now, kudos to the hoodie for actually hiring a real offensive coordinator this year congratulations he's the greatest coach uh ever and yet he couldn't figure out that you needed an offensive coach to coordinate the offense last year and so their offense was horrific and mac jones really took a step back in his development as a quarterback and i think belichick needs to find a way to apologize to mac jones because it's not about mac jones being a franchise quarterback it's that if he's a legit quarterback then belichick has to show up like a like a legit head coach and he didn't do that last year by putting together matt patricia and joe judge and the other scraps and made them running the offense it was terrible and the irony is bill belichick is by far and away the greatest defensive mind the nfl has ever seen and you saw that last year where he turned them into a top five defense but they could they couldn't even get to 500 because their defense was elite but their offense was so bad so congratulations to the hoodie and for bringing in uh bill o'brien an actual offensive coach to uh, to coach their offense and their quarterback and their schemes. And so, you know, kudos to Belichick. Um, Philly should have steamrolled New England last week, but just like in New England fashion, they kind of lost a bit. It was down 16-0, and then they started to fight, and the defense started turning. And, and you know, just like you expect a Patriot team to do, they fought, and they fought right down to the end. They were driving for a potential go-ahead score at the end of the game. Uh, so I don't think you can count the Patriots out because their defense is so good. But they still don't have the weapons on offense. And Mac Jones is still developing. I think he'll have a much better season than he did last year. Uh, but they don't have the offense. They don't have the uh, the skill guys. Um, they don't have the ability to compete against the Miami and against Buffalo. And then last but not least, let's go down I-95 into the, the, the Big Apple. 
and the New York Jets. Wow. Wow. I started my notes before that game. And wow, did those notes change. So going in, I have to say, I wanted to throw up listening to these pregame interviews with Rodgers talking about speaking things into existence and, and talking to John McEnroe, who's a legend in tennis, and correcting this guy like, oh, we got to, you know, we're, we're, the power of manifestation and we're going to do He's so full of crap. Aaron Rodgers is 38-39. He's talking up a storm against McEnroe, who's been a Jet fan for over five decades. He's in his 60s. He's a Hall of Fame tennis player. And Aaron Rodgers is talking down to Johnny Mack about sports psychology. What a moron. So imagine my surprise that four plays in, boom, he's gone. So the Jets, you put all your eggs in that basket, high risk. Um, And, you know, it's kind of funny, actually. You know, the Packers couldn't get him to OTAs in the last few years. They couldn't get him to um, play in the preseason. They couldn't get him really into camp and doing everything. But this year, because he's such a new he's such a new player now and he's so excited about this new opportunity, he practiced in OTAs and he showed up at preseason. And, and then four plays in, he's done for the year. So I don't know. Maybe there's a correlation there. You know, maybe you'll need to give some thought to maybe he was right. Maybe he should have blown all that stuff off and blown off his whole team because uh, this is the first time he, he he blew his whole season in the first game. So um, I do feel bad for him as an individual. It's a long rehab. And at 39, many are saying this could be it for him. I hope so because I've had enough of Aaron Rodgers, but whatever. I hope just in terms of health, he'll be okay. Uh, he gets on track and all that kind of stuff. But talking about the Jets. There was, again, a lot of arrogance. You got hard knocks, and they're doing this and that. And, and you know, Rodgers is the greatest teammate. He's now mentoring. He's now, like, taking guys out for stuff, and he's being out on the town with his friends. He's, like, the greatest teammate in the world. Where was that guy the last six years? Nobody could find him. You think you could find him because Green Bay is the smallest city in the NFL. You think it shouldn't be hard to find the guy? Couldn't find him. But in the metropolis of New York, he's everywhere. He's with all the fans. He's signing autographs and he's meeting celebrities and he's mentoring. And he's such a great guy. And he cares about everybody. Yeah, interesting how that all ended up. So um, now with all, all that nonsense, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Jets uh, because they're in some serious trouble. And Zach Wilson, he couldn't even get off the bench last year. And everyone's talking about how he's such a different quarterback because he got to be in the shadow of Rodgers. Well, now he's not the backup anymore. He's a starter. And the Jets are in trouble. They have an elite defense, but they will not be able to move the ball. Again, Buffalo is going to be kicking themselves for the rest of the season, losing that game on Monday night, because that could cost them the division. But the Jets are terrible. And it was going to be an interesting mix with Aaron Rodgers, but without him, look out. You're going to have eight, nine-man boxes to try to stop the run. You're going to, yes, you've got Garrett Wilson on the outside, and you've got other, you know, what are they going to do with all these Green Bay pieces? Are they still going to be okay with Zach Wilson? Because I know they were all there for their buddy Aaron Rodgers. What are they going to do now? Maybe Green Bay will take them back. I don't know. Or maybe somebody else. Because why would they play without their buddy Aaron Rodgers? And Nathaniel Hackett coaching there? Oh, that should be fun. After Aaron Rodgers was defending the brutal job he did in Denver last year, it'll be interesting to see what Nathaniel Hackett does with that offense without his buddy Aaron Rodgers correcting all his play calls when he calls them in. So the Jets are in trouble. They do have enough of a defense to, to cause some issues and to cause some people problems. But without an offense, they're done. People were talking about them as Super Bowl contenders. I don't even think they make the playoffs in the AFC, in the, in the tough AFC conference this year. 
I don't even think they make it. And it was funny because prior to Monday night, I thought the Patriots are going to be in the basement. I think it's going to be a fight between the Jets and the Patriots for who gets to be in the basement of the AFC East. So we'll see how it goes, but that's how I see the AFC East after week one. And so now as we come to the end of week one's podcast for throw the flag coach, uh, really excited again to have you join. Uh, this should be a lot of fun. And for all, you know, two of you or 12 of you or 1200 of you or whoever gets a chance to listen to this, I hope you have fun with it. Um, looking forward to hearing anything you have to share in terms of possible topics or things, uh, to, you know, that we could talk about, that we could debate about, that you want to hear about. Uh, going into week two, we've got, Week two starting off on Thursday night uh, with a good matchup between the Vikings and the Eagles. Uh, but one of the things that we're really excited about is some of the topics we're going to take on week to week. And I have to say, as much as I love Mike Greenberg with ESPN, he said something ridiculous earlier this week about Aaron Rodgers being a top five quarterback of all time. Now, I'm sure it was because he was drinking the green Kool-Aid. He was just cheering for his guy with the Jets, and he couldn't have really meant that. But I'm definitely going to address it because enough is enough with this Aaron Rodgers nonsense. Top five all time? I mean, even if it's legalized in your jurisdiction, you shouldn't be hitting that much stuff if that's what you really think. Obviously, you're hitting the substance a little too hard. But we're going to address that as the main topic last week and to see where Mr. Rodgers fits and where his neighborhood really is at when it comes to all-time quarterbacks ever in the NFL. And so with that, have a great time watching week two. It'll be interesting to see how some of these teams start to form. We're already hearing about some of the injuries. The NFL is awesome. So make sure to enjoy, get yourself a drink, get yourself with some friends, and have fun watching week two. And so as we transition into week two, uh, do keep in mind that uh, we are looking to hear from you, to hear any, uh, any topics or comments that you have to share. You can get us on email at ttfcoach at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and on Facebook. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful week, too.